0: welcome to the community here's your host jimmy apple welcome to another episode of an apple a day i'm your host jimmy apple how you doing today my friends you feeling good you feeling strong you feeling better than you did yesterday excellent hey we've got a good one for you today i've got some letters here from listeners that i want to answer i've also got an update from Social Security again on this widespread Social Security scam texting thing going on. I also have an update from Medicare about the coronavirus. That's right. And I also have a report from John Hopkins Medicine about the coronavirus. So you're going to want to stick around to the end of the podcast today because we have a lot of information going on here. And it's it's important. It's important, especially for us because we're disabled. Our immune systems are a little bit compromised. This all has something to do with us. Before we get started here, I want to tell you this quick little story. I was talking with some friends, and I was telling them about the podcast. And the, the first question out of their mouth was, Oh, you're one of those guys that think you're a doctor. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm a doctor. And I was explaining what it was he he thought it was you know one of those boring podcasts where you're giving out advice but you don't have a medical license and I told him no I said we're a, we're a different type of group I said we share advice with each other and we help each other out with life hacks with tips with tricks to get around the limitations the obstacles that are in front of us we help ourselves get through problems that you know maybe other people have been through before that we haven't been through yet so we were just talking and I noticed one thing. When you talk to people that aren't disabled, they always gauge the conversation to be about disability. Have you ever noticed that? Like, for example, I used to go fishing. Oh, I used to go fishing every week with a group of guys. We used to go out to Brooklyn, New York, get on a party boat, go out blue fishing overnight. And during the week, we'd be talking about it. And Anyhow, when I got hurt, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't climb up on the boat and the whole nine yards. But they stopped talking to me about fishing. And everything that they talked about had to do with disability. And they tried to mangle the topics together, if you know what I mean. Like fishing and disability, how it must be so hard. And Then when I had the amputation and they seen that, they kind of shied away from all talk Of anything that had to do with anything about fishing. Because in their mind, somehow, I couldn't even think about fishing anymore. It was like the only thing on my mind they thought was disability. I'm disabled. And that's the only way they seen me was as a disabled person. And, you know, that's something that we have to dispel. That's something that us... As disabled people have to dispel with, with the able-bodied people. We have to let them know. I've said it a million times on this podcast. We are not disabled people. We are just people with a disability. No different. No different than somebody that says, has a big nose. Would, <laughs> would you not talk to somebody with a big nose about fishing because they have a big nose? No. Oh. So why would you not talk to somebody about fishing because they have a disability? I know somebody that works with the developmentally disabled. And, you know, some of those guys, they look a little bit rough. Like they've been through it. They have traumatic head injuries and stuff like that. And maybe they can't verbalize the same way anymore. But I'll tell you what, you sit down and talk to them. If they're into sports or whatever they're into, if you talk to them about whatever they're into, their eyes light up. And they can hold the conversation with you, given the chance. But most people wouldn't give them the chance because they look at them and they say they're disabled. Again, we have to dispel that myth that we're just disabled. It's, that's very important. It's very important to me anyway. I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, there's that guy in the wheelchair. I want them to look at me and say, hey, there's Jimmy. I, I just don't want, I don't want people to feel bad for me. I don't want people to think that I'm less of a person because I'm in a wheelchair. And I don't think they do it maliciously. I think they do it out of empathy or sympathy. I don't think I don't think that they're being mean or mean-spirited, but I do think that they're trying they're trying to be kind in a way, backhandedly, I guess. But that's something that we have to we we have to show ourselves we have to we have to be able to show ourselves that we're more than a disability i just wanted to put that out there yeah i just thought it was weird that somebody that that i know still in this to this day still does that but let's move on here let's get started i want to i want to talk about these letters that i got from listeners so let's get started here Alright, this first letter comes from Al in Rhode Island. He writes, Jimmy Apple, Two months ago I lost my right leg in a car accident above the knee. I am home now from rehab and my four-year-old daughter is very aware of my missing leg and is afraid to come close to me. I keep a blanket over my lap to try and keep it out of sight. I don't push it for her to come sit with me so I don't freak her out now. But we used to sit and watch TV together. I tried to read to her, but she seems more distracted by my lack of leg. Do you have any suggestions to help us both get through this? I heard you say that you're an amputee. Did you have this problem? I enjoy your podcast. Al, Rhode Island. Hi, Al. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, similar problems. When I first had my leg amputated, it was below the knee. And I didn't have any little kids of my own around at that point. But I did have a neighbor who had a little girl that used to love to come over. She, We were like a, a pseudo aunt and uncle, my wife and I. And the one thing I was afraid of was that she was gonna freak out when she didn't see my leg. And everyone said, don't try to hide it because I did the same thing you did. I put a blanket over it and she she noticed it. She noticed it right away and she was curious about it. But that was that. She, after that, she didn't even pay attention to it. As a matter of fact, when I got my prosthetic the first time, she was more surprised that I had two feet again. <laughs> then the second time, that when I had to get it amputated above the knee, my sister-in-law had, had just had a little boy. And he is like the apple in my eye. <laughs> if you read my bio, I used to call him Famous Apple. And uh, I was so afraid that he was going to freak out when I didn't have a prosthetic anymore. And I didn't have a leg at all. And There was no residual limb. And he just took it in stride. He took it in stride. You know, you let him get used to it. Let him explore. I know it may sound a little bit creepy almost. But let them explore. Let them see. Answer any questions and answer them honestly. You know, don't don't give them any kind of nonsense like, oh, the dragon ate my leg. Or anything like that. Because you don't want to scare them or scar them. But... And to them, honestly, you were sick and they had to take care of it. That's all. And you'd be surprised. Kids are resilient. She, she won't be afraid all that long. It's new to her. And anything that's new to a little kid can be a little bit off-putting a bit. You know yourself. But she'll come around. My nephew, my nephew jokes with me now. He, now he's six years old. And <laughs> he'll come in and he'll say, hey, where's your other foot? How come you only got one shoe on? But kids are great. Kids are great. And it's not going to last. In the beginning, it's a little bit scary for a kid naturally. Think about it. You know, if she's seen you with two feet two months ago, and now you only have one, she's got to wonder what happened to it. And she might even feel bad because she thinks you're hurt or that you're hurting. So give her a chance to warm up to it. But I wouldn't keep the cover over it. Let her see it. The more she sees it, the more natural it's going to be if that makes sense. But I wouldn't hide it from her. And sooner or later, much sooner than later, she'll come over and she's going to sit on your lap and she's going to be daddy's little girl again. Don't worry about that, my friend. Don't worry about that at all. Okay, let's move on here. Okay, our next letter here is from Tom from Norfolk, Virginia. He writes, Jimmy, I've been permanently disabled for four years. I was hurt on the job and lost a good amount of use of my legs due to nerve damage. When I was first home, everyone was eager to help me with what I needed done. Lately, if I ask my kids to do anything for me, they act as if everything is one big inconvenience. My son tells me I should start doing more things for myself instead of depending on everyone else. My son has gotten very insulting towards me. I think that he believes that I'm may not be doing as much as I could or should. His attitude has gotten progressively worse since we've had to cut back on things over the last couple of years. We're down to one car, basic cable, Netflix. We have less takeout food, etc. I believe a big part of the problem is that he's a teenager, 16, and I can't afford to give to him like his friends' parents give to them. Is there anything I can do to make this situation better for my family? sincerely tom norfolk virginia well tom you have a tricky one here um i have two answers for this and you may not like either one but i'm going to give you both answers number one when you first got hurt did anyone sit down with the family and tell them look things are about to change here i mean when a parent becomes disabled that's a catastrophe You're, you're one of the breadwinners in the family and things are changing drastically. Money changes, circumstances change, and the kids, unfortunately, have to be made aware. Now, they don't have to be made aware of every little bill. You don't have to tell them that, well, the mortgage is three months behind and I have to refinance. You don't have to drag those things into it. But you do have to let them know that things are changing and you have to keep them appraised of it. And I think they might, they might appreciate that. Now, on the flip side of that, we also have a problem in this day and age with teenagers where they have this sense of entitlement that they believe everything should be handed to them. Let me tell you something. At 16 years old, if it was my son, I'd have his ass out working to, to get what he needs because I, I had to do it. When I was a kid, I had to do it. I've, I've worked, I worked from the time I was 10 years old. I used to deliver meat for a butcher shop in the Bronx. I made $5 a week and half of that went to the house for rent. I paid rent at 10 years old. And I I made my own money. I made my own way. And it paid off for me along the way. I saved money. I had money saved. You know, kids today, they're like, mom and dad are supposed to save the money for me. I know somebody that unfortunately lost a spouse to an accident, a car accident. And the kid was so pissed off because there was no money for college. Can you believe that? Instead of worrying that his mother's going to have a roof over her head, he was more pissed off by the fact that there was no college fund. So kids have to be made aware. When there's a disability in the house, when a parent becomes disabled, that's a catastrophe. The same as an earthquake. I mean, everything changes. In an earthquake, everything changes. Walls fall down. All right? So maybe the walls didn't fall down from your disability, but in a sense, they did. And things have shifted around. So you have to make them aware. Now on the flip side of that, are you doing everything that you can do, Tom? You know, sometimes as disabled people, we get used to people um, waiting on us. <laughs> you, know, you, you you turn around and say, oh, can you get me a sandwich from the kitchen? Can you get me a glass of water? Can you can you get me this? Can you get me that? And meanwhile, you know, yes, you're hurt. Yes, you're stiff. But if you actually try, you can get up. I mean, in the beginning, it's it, because of the pain and everything. But four years down the line, you should have some pain management going on and you should be, you should have been through rehab so far so that you can get some movement going that you don't have to depend on other people to do do everything for you. I'm just going by your letter here that your kid's saying that you should be doing more and you think maybe you should be doing more. The whole thing is, is, is as disabled people, we have to try, we have to eliminate the obstacles that are in front of us. We have to be able to go around them as well and not depend on everyone else just to to do for us. We still have to try and do for others. So it's it's a twofold answer to this. Number one, if your kid is just being lazy and nasty, I'd be sending him out to look for a job. I don't care whether he cuts grass, shines shoes, paints fences, I don't care. Go get a job and pay for what you want. Let him learn that if he wants something, he has to work for it. But by the same token, if you want something, you have to try and work for it too. You you can't depend on everyone else. You know, if it's to the point that you can't do it, then you can't do it. But if there's a chance that you can, or if there's a chance that you think you might be able to, you have to take that chance too, Tom. You can't just give up. You're still a formidable human being. So... I hope I hope this I hope it helps I hope it helps a bl- little bit That's what I would do Okay So so just to sum it up What I would do is I'd send my kid out to work and I would try to do more for myself and if I can't then I'd work I, you know I reworked the terms a little bit but I would also sit down and have a heart to heart talk with my son or my, and my other kids and let them know look this is this is the deal it's not because I I don't want to give you things it's not because I wanted to get rid of a car or cut out the movie channels on cable I had to in order for us to survive I had to be honest be honest with them but be you know be honest to a certain level I wouldn't give them. I wouldn't make them have to worry about mortgage payments or electric company or anything like that. But be honest, you know, tell them we have to tighten our belts. Things are tight. We're doing the best we can. That's all. All right, my friend Tom. Thank you very much for listening. And Al, you too. I really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I hope this helps a little bit. This is just my opinion, but I hope everything works out. Please keep in touch. Let me know what's going on. All right, let's move on here. Okay, our third and final letter today is from Anna in Columbus, Ohio. She writes, Jimmy Apple, is there a good way to prepare your kids... tell them that their dad has become disabled because of an accident at work and things are going to have to change drastically my husband and i have already discussed that we will have to sell our house and downsize we've only been in this home for three years but with the cut in income there'll be no way that we can keep up our house responsibly we've attempted to keep up appearances for the last six months but are going through our savings much quicker than anticipated and we're still a ways off from ssd any suggestions you have Would be greatly appreciated. By the way, I've been binge listening to your podcast and I have a suggestion. Maybe you could make programs for the disabled person's family too. Like ways to handle the responsibilities to the disabled family member. Signed, Anna, Columbus, Ohio. Hi Anna. I was just talking with Tom about the same thing. The best way to handle this with the kids, I think, is to sit down honestly and... Let them know what's going on. Now, you didn't tell me how old your kids were, so you have to do it age appropriately, actually. But again, I wouldn't let my kids know, well, the mortgage is behind or, you know, those are things that kids, those are things kids don't have to know. But you do have to let them know, like, circumstances have changed. You know, mom and dad's money has gone down a bit because of the accident. And we're not taking in as much money as we, we were, so we're going to have to cut back and tighten the belt, we're, You know, whatever cliche you can come up with, and just let them know. So this way they're aware of it. It's not a surprise. It's not like they don't feel like they're getting punished for something that they didn't do. Just be upfront and honest about it and just say, look... This is just the way it is. It's, you know, it's nothing you did. It's just something that we have to do together as a family to get by. And things will get better. And they will get better eventually. That's how I would handle it with them. Now, as far as your suggestion, I think that's great. I really appreciate the suggestion. And you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna look into that as far as uh, maybe do a couple of episodes for caretakers. Because they need the help too. You know, they need... They need the encouragement, the same as the disabled person needs the encouragement. So I'm going to look into that. Maybe I can get some guests that are caretakers on here, and we can get that going as well. But thank you so much, and thank you for binge listening. That really makes makes my day. So thank you very much, Anna, Tom, Al. Thank you so much for writing in. I hope to hear from you guys again. Let me know how everything is going, and keep listening. And please, tell your friends about the podcast. Share it with your friends. And I don't know if you read it on the description yet, but we opened up a new Facebook group. It's Facebook slash groups slash Disabled Living. It's a group for people who are disabled, their caretakers, their families, their friends. It's a place there to go and shared tips tricks friendly notes with other people in the same position you never know you make new friends and it's a nice place it's a nice place to go we have a poll up there right now about daylight savings time so go take the poll okay so let's move on here but thank you thank you again everybody thank you for the letters i really really appreciate it let's move on i have a message here from medicare.gov here's what to know about the coronavirus. You've likely heard about the coronavirus officially called 2019 Novel Coronavirus or COVID-19 in the news. While there isn't a vaccine yet and the immediate health risk remains low, Medicare is here to help. Your Medicare Part B medical insurance covers a test to see if you have coronavirus. The test is covered when your doctor or a health care provider orders it. If you get the test on or after February 4, 2020, you usually pay nothing for Medicare covered clinical diagnostic laboratory tests to prevent the spread of this illness or other illnesses, including the flu. Wash your hands often with soap and water, cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze, stay home when you're sick and see your doctor if you think you're ill. This is the Centers for Disease Control website for information on the coronavirus. Sincerely, the Medicare team. Note, your provider will have to wait until after April 1st, 2020 to submit a claim to Medicare for this test. Okay, I just wanted to share that with you. That came in the email today. So, Medicare is on the ball with that. Medicare is ready to check you for the coronavirus if you feel sick. Let's move on here. Okay, the title of this next report is how to tell if you have the coronavirus and when to see a doctor. With the coronavirus outbreak spreading across the U.S., fears of catching the new illness have spiked. but. Coming down with the fever and a cough doesn't necessarily mean that you've been infected. So how can you tell if you have the virus and when should you see a doctor? Symptoms of the coronavirus, fever, cough, runny nose, are similar to those of the common cold or the flu. If you're experiencing those symptoms but feel like you can manage them with over-the-counter drugs from the comfort of your home, experts say that you should do so. If you feel well enough that it weren't for coronavirus, you wouldn't see a doctor, don't see a doctor, Lawrence Sauer, an assistant professor of emergency medicine at John Hopkins Medicine, told the Washington Post. If your symptoms are more severe, fever that won't go away, shortness of breath, lethargy, then it's time to call a doctor. However, most cases of coronavirus, officially known as COVID-19, have been mild, so if All those with the common cold flood emergency rooms, it'll make it tougher for professionals to treat critical ill patients. Plus, you could also pick up the virus at a hospital if you don't already have it. If you don't have the fever, you probably don't have the coronavirus. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention also suggest seeking medical help if you are showing symptoms and you've been in contact with a person who has COVID-19 or you've traveled to or live in an area with an outbreak. Your healthcare professional will work with your state's health department and the CDC to figure out whether you should be tested for COVID-19. Older people and those with underlying health conditions like diabetes, heart disease, chronic lung disease are more at risk for severe illness. If you fall under those categories and feel seriously ill, you should seek medical attention. If you or someone you are caring for is in dire condition such as very short of breath, minimally responsive, or unresponsive, looks blue, or ashen, or has low blood pressure, then call 911, said Amesh Adaja, an infectious disease expert at John Hopkins Medical Center for Health Security. Otherwise, call your doctor. If you decide to go to the emergency room or your doctor's office, make sure you call ahead so that they can be ready to protect other patients when you arrive. Importantly, To prevent getting sick at all, the CDC recommends avoiding people who are showing symptoms, avoiding touching your eyes, nose, mouth, and washing your hands thoroughly and frequently. This means washing with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water are not readily available, use alcohol-based hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. It is not necessary to wear a face mask if you are not sick. Face masks should be used by people who show symptoms of the coronavirus to help prevent the spread of the disease to others. I hope this information helps. Okay, let's move on here. Okay, our last report comes from the Department of Social Security. The Inspector General warns public about widespread Social Security scam. The Inspector General of Social Security, Gail S. Enos, is warning of a new tactic by government imposters to reach and victimize Americans by phone. We have received reports of text messages on cell phones that appear to come from Social Security. The texts warn about Social Security number problems. They ask the recipient to call a number back to resolve the problem and avoid legal action. This trick appears to be the latest development in continuing widespread scams meant to deceive Americans into providing money and personal information to scammers. Social Security will never send a text asking for a return call to an unknown number. Social Security will only send a text message if you have opted in to receive texts from the agency and only in limited situations, including the following. One, when you have requested or subscribed to receive updates and notifications from Social Security by text. And two, as part of Social Security's enhanced security when accessing your personal My Social Security account. Our office wants you to know Social Security will never threaten you with arrest or other legal action unless you immediately pay a fine or a fee promise to a benefit increase or other assistance in exchange for payment require payment by retail gift card wire transfer internet currency or by mailing cash send official letters or reports containing your personal information via email if you owe money to social security the agency will mail you a letter with payment options and appeal rights You should never pay a government fee or fine using retail gift cards, cash, internet currency, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Inspector General Enos urges the public to be very cautious when receiving unsolicited calls from any purported government agency and to discuss any major financial decision with trusted family members or friends. If you receive a call or a text or an email, You believe to be suspicious about a problem with your social security number or account. Do not respond or engage with the caller or the sender. Report these social security scams through our dedicated online form at oig.ssa.gov. There you have it. Can you imagine if these crooks used all this energy at legitimate endeavors? They could probably be rich a bunch of knobs. Well, I want to thank you for stopping by today. I really enjoyed it. I want to thank all the people that wrote in. We have a lot more letters on the side here. And I want to remind you, things can always be worse. Right now, there's somebody somewhere wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. Hey, do me a favor. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Let other people know about it. Leave us a review wherever you're getting the podcast from and click like. <laughs> Let us know that we're whether whether we're doing a good job or not here. And I'll talk to you again. I also want to remind you, go over to Facebook, okay? Facebook.com slash groups slash disabled living. That's our new group. Go over there, join the group and... Maybe you'll make a couple of new friends. We can trade secrets, tips. We can talk. Doesn't have to be just about disability. The only thing I ask, no politics. No politics, but a friendly group. And we can build our community. Okay? Thanks again for stopping by. You've been listening to An Apple A Day. And I want to remind you, the best medicine, the very best medicine that you can get is laughter, my friends. My name is Jimmy Apple. I'll talk to you next week. (laughs)